Welcome to the Hey Pastor Podcast, the show where two firefighters, one who is also an author and the other is a pastor, tackle the hard questions Christians have while answering them in a scripturally sound way that actually makes sense. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Hey Pastor with your hosts, author Jason Sautel and pastor Joshua Putnam. Hey, Pastor Joshua. You know what? I can't get enough of that intro music. I mean, every time it kicks on, <laughs> I'm just like bobbing my head, weaving, and I just dig it, man. And I'm giving you kudos because honestly, you were the one that found it and threw it on the show. So thank you for that awesome music, brother. No problem. That was uh, that was a fun one. I spent quite a bit of time once we started talking about this, looking for it, but uh, it had to go through wife approval first. It made it <laughs> made it through her, and then, and then I sent it to you. I think it had to go through Christy approval. Well, too, it didn't. Did. Yeah, it, it went through my wife Christy also and stuff. So that's really good. I love the way that we have our filters also because could you imagine the music we would come up with if oh, we didn't man. have that? <laughs> Hey, I'm uh, I'm excited about the topic we came up with this show and slightly nervous. Um, I guess we're going to talk about some lessons that I've learned through the fire department along my journey as a firefighter and how I wrote them into a book. And you're just going to do what I did to you a couple weeks ago. Pick me apart. So uh, yeah. I'm excited, but highly nervous. Well, now you know how I felt a couple weeks ago because I kind of <laughs> felt the same way. <laughs> Right. But uh, yeah, this is the Hey Pastor podcast, but we're going to call this one the Hey Hey Jason episode, right? Oh, there we go. All right. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to just say I'm super excited about this. This is kind of cool. Um, I guess you could say the geek side of me is coming out on this, right? When I first read your book, I would have never guessed uh, that I'd have this opportunity. You came on uh, quite a long time ago now. You came on my YouTube channel, but mm -hmm. I didn't really know you and we were I was, you know, I didn't ask too many tough questions and we didn't talk right. a lot about the book. Actually, we made right. a point not to do that. So I'm pretty excited to say to, cause when I remember when I first read the book and I didn't even know you yet, uh, just questions and thoughts that went through my mind. So an opportunity to sit here with you and, and actually dig into some of these things and hopefully bring a little perspective as well. Just some, some teachable moments that from, from what the Lord has taught you and, and uh, hopefully even maybe bring some of my pastor's perspective too, that we can encourage people today. So are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm, I just strapped into my chair and uh, I'm not going to go anywhere, even though I want to run out of the room right now. So let's do this. <laughs> All right, I'm just kidding. No, I'm excited. <laughs> well, uh, I kind of just went through the book and just pull out some highlights. And so for those of you listening, I'm sorry if I don't hit something, because you might be thinking, oh, I hope he asks about this story or that story. And uh, I may or may not, because I just picked out some things that really jumped out to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll just kind of go chronologically. That's a big word for me today through the book. Um, one of the Is things when I just chronicles or chronologically, what I don't even know what that means. We'll yeah. go through the chronicles of Jason's You're going to go through one through 10, right? Right down the list. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, um, just right in the beginning, it jumped out at me. I remembered this before. And then as I was looking through it, where you just, you said firefighting was my drug. It was my adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And that really, really struck me because, uh, and, and I'll just, I'll preface it. And then I'll let you kind of follow that up. Uh, I, 
as a firefighter myself, I see a lot of firefighters, whether it's their drug or their adrenaline, it is at least it is their way to do good in this world. And, and it often comes up short for them, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know they're, they're, it's in the wrong, wrong places. So talk about that a little bit, Jason, if you would, the, the firefighting being your drug, your, your adrenaline and, and kind of how that fell short on you. Yeah. So when I was writing that portion of my book, I was digging back into my pre-Christian days. I wasn't a follower of Christ. So I was writing it looking during those times because I wanted people to see what I was chasing. Mm -hmm. Because of my troubled past, my troubled childhood, I never really knew how to fill the void inside of me, and I didn't know how to deal with the pain. So whether it would be go skateboarding as a teenager, go surfing, I would still struggle, right? And so I was always trying to find the next thing to hopefully close the door to the pain of my past that never seemed to go away and that was catching me. Once I became an adult, I'll be honest with you helping people felt right. And it wasn't like I was trying to help people because I wanted to feel better doing it. I didn't know at the time what my calling was, but I knew I had the skills and ability to help people. And when I did, it felt good. And like any drug though, it would wear off. So maybe I had <laughs> right, a problem right. with like, you know, my, my dad from us having strife in the past and it was eating me alive. And then all of a sudden, we do CPR on someone and save their life. Just the amazing feeling to be there and, right. and use your skills to help save someone. And it felt good. But as soon as we went back to the firehouse and I went home, the drug wore off and I was right back into quote, that pit of hell again. It, it was, it was an awful thing. So firefighting. Yeah. What? It was my drug. Um, well, what you were talking about there took my mind to another conversation that, or another story, I guess you would say that you put in the book uh, you were talking as well, and it just fits alongside of what you're of this. You were talking about your house at one point, mm -hmm. and how it was like the Martha Stewart house. Yeah, and, and you literally said that that it was like a, a fit. you kind of saw that as a, a finger to your, your yeah, it was child. a middle finger to my past. Yeah, it yeah. definitely was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so here's what I want to make clear before we go forward, any farther forward. You tried a lot of things and a lot mm -hmm. of ways to fill a void, right? And did it work? Well, it never worked. And when we talk about the way I was describing my house was, yes, I was blessed with an amazing career at a young age. So I was never rich, but I was never poor. You know, I got a steady paycheck mm -hmm. every two weeks. I didn't have any bills. And because I grew up, I'm not going to say poverty because, you know, there are people in true poverty, but I, I just grew up under a system where I wasn't very well taken care of, you know, and it, and it reflected right. in the way we lived. So yeah, we grew up kind of poor. Well, once I was able to afford my own stuff, I figured it would make it all better, right? The pain of not having any friends mm -hmm. ever visit my house because I was ashamed of it, not having any people come over because I was scared how my dad would react to a friend at my house. Living that way, I, I wanted it to go away. So therefore, I rehabbed a little house, an old style house out here in California, had the hardwood floors and the guys from the firehouse would call it Martha Stewart. But it was like my my sacred place, if you will, mm -hmm. again, talking as a non-Christian was my place where I would go to, to just spend that time that I needed to find the well-being I was looking for. And once again, just like rescuing people and going on responses, 
would go away as a drug. This also didn't work. Even though from the outside looking in, every young man honestly would have wanted what I had, the big truck, the boat, being able to go on dates, money in my pocket, and a beautiful home. But if you were to pull back the shell and look inside of my heart, I was empty, I was lost, and I had a dark hole living inside of me. Well, that leads to the the... the what really grabbed me was early on in the book when you were talking about being on the bridge with the mm. uh, the suicidal man and seeing the the pure evil in him and then realizing that th- those eyes that looked back at you were the same it was the same thing that was in you so mm. really that that starts to answer that question those things were never going to fill the hole because of the evil that was in you right and i don't want to point the finger today we want to make it abundantly clear that evil wasn't just in you. We are born. Every person is born with that evil. So let's not just point this at, at Jason's right. evil. Right. But what I loved was how you described it because I, I, it, it makes it so much easier for people to say, yeah, that, that's me or that was me. Uh, right. Talk, just again. I feel like I'm doing interview style here today. No, it's okay. No, it's cool. <laughs> so you know, it's talk a little bit about that one. Well, as you know, in this podcast, we like to keep it fun back and forth, but I totally understand that people have an interest to the backstory of why I wrote Wimp with the Rescuer. I fully understand that. So it's okay. We can do this. Then then I'll start poking jabs back at you in a few minutes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reason, I mean, there's so many reasons, as you know, I wrote it obviously was to show you know people why we so desperately need to put our faith in Christ. End of story. That, that's the ultimate reason I wrote it. But I am also an expert on very few things. But one thing I'm an expert on is living in the darkness. And now that I become educated on what that darkness was by reading my Bible, I can now write into it in a way that may give people that aha, meaning that even though everything in my life looked good, I was miserable all the time. There was something, mm. there was something missing. Mm-hmm. There's something drawing me down. And when we went to the Bay Bridge on what you just talked about to help a suicidal jumper, when I looked into his eyes as he was dropping, I'm not saying this man was this evil, awful, horrible person doing horrible things. What I saw was the same thing inside of me. It was like the first time I recognized that the emptiness, the evilness, the sadness Mm -hmm. inside of him, that's what kicked him off the bridge. That's what made him want to end his life. And I finally knew where myself and the darkness stood. I knew it was going to take me down. I had always been fighting. I've been trying to push back. I just trying to, to push the evilness away. And just so folks do hear me, you know what? At this point in my career, I had awards for saving lives and I was rescuing people. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't out like Robin Banks doing evil stuff and doing right. it. But even though I thought I was a good person, I still had the emptiness and darkness Mm -hmm. inside of me. So that man, when he jumped, that was a recognition. And that's what scared the heck out of me because I saw myself being pulled off that bridge with him, possibly in the future. Well, you hit exactly really where I wanted to to pull that out when you said, well, I wasn't out robbing banks. I wasn't doing those things. I was saving lives. I was doing the, you were doing the right things in in the human mind. You were Mm -hmm. doing good you right. if god was going to let somebody in heaven they were going to let you in heaven i see that i see that all the time as you know different quotes about well mm-hmm. any firefighter is going to be in heaven well unfortunately no they're not no. because firefighters are no different than anybody else we are right. born as sinners 
the entire, you know, the entire human race, when we come into this world, we come into this world as sinners with that hopelessness. So you said, I, I knew that evil was going to take me down. Well, the evil, that evil that's in us is going to take any of us down without being rescued by Christ, which of course is the, <laughs> the right. point of your book, right? But right. I just want to make sure that we're, because I know not everybody listening to this, are they're not firefighters or they're not, you know, but they're everybody listening to this. It, it either was once consumed by the evil or still is consumed by the evil. Right. And and that's the, such a good point because that's something I wanted to draw out, which I'm sure we'll go in further in our conversation here, was I was doing good things. Let's keep it real. And I'm speaking right now as a Christian, but looking back at that time of my life, if a universalist or someone who believed in Zen or any of the other craziness out there were to look into my life, including a Christian, they would say he was a good guy, mm -hmm. but that good guy was not going to go to heaven because I had first off no faith, but I had no recognition of where true goodness came from. Right. I was the center of my own little universe. And as we know, as Christians, that is one of the biggest struggles that we have is we are not the center of our universe. We are not, <laughs> we are not you know, and, and so I wanted to kind of describe it in a way that people could see, but see how miserable I was there too, that, you know, you've heard me say before, the world says I could do whatever I wanted to do as long as I work <laughs> right. hard enough. Yep. Well, I'm going to kick the, anytime <laughs> someone throws that theory my way, I will <laughs> knock it down out of testimony first, then back it up with scripture. Right. Well, it's, you know, you talk about doing good. And again, I just want to speak to anybody that might be listening because that's a struggle for people to, to think about. Um, we often in our, in our, in our humanness, we think we can do good to earn God's favor. And we, we, there is this seriousness of people who look at first responders, soldiers, others who, who just kind of normally they, they put themselves in a sacrificial place Mm -hmm. and, and so we would, you know, they say, well, of course God's going to accept them into heaven. They're doing good things and our mind can't wrap around it. Mm -hmm. there, there's a way, I don't have any idea where I heard this, but when I heard it, it stuck. And I want to just share an illustration here that would, that would help you understand or help listeners understand it. And you teed it up perfectly because you said you didn't even really understand where good comes from. Mm -hmm. Well, James says every good thing in the world comes from God. Well, Right. So, so as a sinner, how can you do good? You do good because God in his grace has allowed good to happen right. in the world. Right. So let's think about this, Jason, I'm sitting on my couch and, uh, you know, father, father's day is coming up in a couple of months. So I'm sitting on my couch and, and, uh, my, my uh, eight year old comes up and says, dad, I, I want to get you something for, for father's day. Um, you know, and I say, okay, yeah, that's fine. And maybe she says, well, do you want to, you know, whatever, do you want a book? We'll say, yep. Yeah. A book would be great. Okay. And then what's she probably going to say next? Uh, can I have 20 bucks so I can go buy you a book? Right. <laughs> right. Cause she's seven. She doesn't, or, or she's eight. She's not right. going to be happy if she hears me. <laughs> she's eight. She's, <laughs> she's, uh, she doesn't have the means right. to buy me a book. Right. So she goes and she buys me a book and and gives it to me on father's day am i richer now because of mm. that i'm wow. not right because i spent i gave her the money and mm -hmm. the, that's exactly what you described god we are not you never could close that gap of never. sin if there was some way we could do it you can't because anytime you do good 
Mm-hmm. You're only doing good because God gave you that ability. So you're never giving good to God that he didn't already have, right? So right. there's literally no way for us to close that gap of good. We have to have a rescuer. It's just, right. There's and no it, way around it. I totally agree. And and to go a little deeper in that, that's why sometimes people will will create theology based off of niceness. Now, hear me out on this, okay? <laughs> Meaning... They want to say nice words to firefighters, cops, everyone that's out there doing, it. and and they are doing, and they are doing good things. As we both agreed upon, they are doing good things. So now they say, well, because they're doing good things, I know for a fact that there's a place for them in heaven. Okay, now let's stop for a second. <laughs> I'm going to take the theology and now turn to my Bible and say, could you show me in Scripture mm-hmm. where it says that? Because I can't find it anywhere oh. whatsoever. But we can now use it when we come up to someone who is doing good and all that, and by all means, be able to testify to them and and you know mm-hmm. slowly start working the gospel into them, so they understand where goodness comes from. They understand where their savior comes from. But I just wanted to hit that point before I went too far off there that yeah. far too often we, and, and I'm guilty of it too sometimes, you know, of like, oh, well, that's so good. You know, I'm like, hold on, pull it back. Where is this in scripture? I, I can give compliments, but I do believe a lot of times our hopes and our wants for people can sometimes turn into theology and that theology can do more harm for them instead of giving them the truth. Absolutely. Because we end up giving people a false hope. Right. Right. Well, the next one hits home for me, and and maybe I have a different perspective because as I have talked to others who've read your book, this made them a little upset. They were upset with you. Oh, and I know. We're- <laughs> <laughs> but I might have a different perspective. But right. before I say that, let me mm-hmm. let me say I I have been I have been or still am in in ways in both of these positions. So we. We'll, we'll go mm-hmm. to the part where, where you came back from a very tough call. You'd lost, mm-hmm. I believe it was a, a little girl in a fire. And uh, the chaplain, who was also mm-hmm. a pastor, uh, approached you. And you mm-hmm. did not handle that well. You actually <laughs> yelled at him kind of, and tried to intimidate him. Well, and, and that part of the book was edited down pretty well, too. I, I'm guessing that it was. And <laughs> yeah. and I have I- interacted with some people that they're, they think, well, how could Jason do that? Mm-hmm. So I have a pretty different perspective on that. And and that's really kind of why I wanted to bring this up and then and then talk about it because if we've built already in in the last you know 10, 10, 15 minutes of talking about your life even if you haven't read the book, Jason, you were what you were lost. You I were was lost. Full of evil. How right. could I? If that was me, I would not have been upset with you. Right. Um. I would have felt bad more that I put you in that spot and thought, mm-hmm. well, maybe I should have handled that differently. Um, Mm -hmm. we look back and, and I don't, you know, if that, if that chaplain, I don't know the situation, if he happens to listen to this, I don't mean this in any, any, any respect to him because we all make mistakes. But I, I see that more as maybe he should have thought a little bit more, giving you a little more room either way. He didn't know. Right. But Mm -hmm. we can't blame Jason because Jason knew no better. Jason hated God Mm-hmm. And wanted and and everything within you wanted to fight against God. So mm-hmm. so to me, when I when I hear people get upset about that, there is no way in the world that we could have expected anything different from you in that moment. Right. Well, let me give you kind of my perspective. And the story you're talking about is yeah, we we just returned to the firehouse from a structure fire where we lost a mom and a daughter. 
And normally when you go in and pull someone out, you drag them out, you're resuscitating, you send them off to the hospital and you know, whatever happens, happens, but job's done. It's out there. The reason this affected me so much was because I rescued the little girl and the firefighter who was backing me up, he rescued the mom. And when we made it out to the living room, we we're going to drag them out front, start resuscitation. That's when the captain stopped us and said, no, they're, they're gone. They, the, the fire got a hold of them and there's no life. And he was right. So we put them down in the living room. Well, there's no such thing as burnt beyond recognition in medical terms. And we have to document because those are two patients at the time, even though they're deceased, mm -hmm. but we have to cr write a document of how they deceased, you know, full physical examination. So there I was sitting with them, putting EKGs on them and having to document their burns. But I also knew the circumstances of, of the mom trying to get the daughter, daughter trapped in a closet and just broke my heart. My heart was broken. And I had no place to put that brokenness or let mm -hmm. someone help me through that brokenness. So when we got back to the firehouse, from my perspective, even looking at that time, I knew I was wrong, but I was just so angry because mm -hmm. here is a pastor who was waiting for us at the firehouse. And all he asked was, Jason, are you okay? Well, I was not okay. And what I'm giving him grace on <laughs> right. is he didn't know the circumstances of how bad it was right. that I just came. I mean, like if I just tell someone, oh, we just got back from a fatality fire. So that sounds like nothing. But when you've actually sat there with the dead bodies and trying, right. uh, it's, it's rough. So I unleashed on him and said, how do you think I am? And at that point, yeah, I was 28 years of walking in the dark. I didn't want to hear about his God. I didn't want to hear about his Jesus mm -hmm. because it, I was at that point of, if there is a God in Jesus, why would he let this happen type of stuff? I would use it against Christians, right? Because right. it was my pushback. So I was so angry and so lost at the moment. So from my perspective, I was lashing out at the 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 goodness that he was trying to give because I saw it as total fake and fairy tales. So then what would what does a person do when they're really hurt? They lash out at what really could hurt someone else. And that's kind of what I did mm -hmm. to him. So yes, right. I was wrong. But like you said, from perspective, think of 28 years in the dark growing up the way I did and becoming a firefighter at the age of 18, I was so hard in Joshua. I was so hard. So people are welcome to be mad at me because I wanted to show them where I was. But as you continue on through the book, you see how the softening of my heart started, you know? Right. Well, and, uh, uh, you know, as you were telling that story, I was just thinking about the value. If somebody's listening to this and they are a firefighter chaplain or a police chaplain, mm -hmm. the value of spending time with those guys and even as much as your your department that you're with allows, be on scene with them. Right. I think in that situation, there there could have been uh, a lot more power. Uh, again, we're, we're not taken away from you were lost, right. you were angry, right? Right, right, right. But, but maybe had he even known, literally, because he was there with you and, yeah. and lived some of those things with you. Uh, I've seen that from my own perspective, mm -hmm. just a, a gaining of respect from people because from other firefighters because i've been there on the scene that was even, right you know i was a chaplain before i was a firefighter right and and i still made sure i responded to calls well you're you're fully vested is what it is you're vested you've gotten to know me so think of it like this i never see you except once i come back from a horrible situation right and 
Then you're there, and now you want. And you're to supposed to be an me, expert on that situation. Maybe you should ask me how I am when you're hanging out, having coffee yes, with us the weeks before, right. and relaxing, yep. and getting to know us, and and breaking that barrier. Because as you know, in the culture of firefighting, even then, we're not going to fully let you in unless right. you are a firefighter. Which is like with you, you became a firefighter. You're fully in. Okay, so that's why it was the way it was. But just so I'm clear, I love chaplains, and I. I also understand in our department, they weren't allowed to come hang out with sure, us. So, yeah, so absolutely. It, it was a kind of a messed up deal and in hindsight being what it is, I was wrong. Sure. He could have approached me different, but where I'm going to go with your part of the, the vested part, which I know you were kind of getting at there was my captain walked over and he's all, Whoa, Jason, go take a shower. He could have said, apologize, the man, do all he right. never did because he knew I wasn't I wasn't sorry at that point. I was not right. ready to say I'm sorry, but he knew that about me. And as I walked away, he was even telling the pastor, the chaplain, he says, Hey, Jason is a really good guy, and he made sure I could hear that. He's just not in a good place right now. Well, how did my captain know that? Because he was fully vested in right. me, you know. So yeah. Right. Yeah, there's times for me now with with the guys, you know, I, I'm not a chaplain on on this current department that I'm on. Uh, they just see me as Pastor Josh, right? So mm -hmm. I, I don't need to carry that title. But if we run a tough call, I I know those guys, and and I just you know I respond differently now. I don't have to ask them, "Are you okay?" I I know right. I can look at them and see they're they're probably okay, or no, they're they they might not say it, but they're definitely not okay. Totally. And, this, and I think this is when we talk about the brotherhood of the fire department, it is so important. If you're listening and you want to try to reach firefighters, do everything you can to be a part of that family. Right. And, and I think it also goes into anything you do kind of like, you know, Christy, my wife being a labor and delivery nurse, right? You need to live in there. So, so I'll tell that off side story, which will also bring it back. One day she came home from work and she looked at me as a labor and delivery nurse, tears in her eyes and said, honey, I said, what's wrong? She's like, we lost, we lost a baby. And I knew what she meant. What did I say? The worst thing possible. I said, well, you better get back to work and find it before you get fired. Way wrong thing oh, to oh, say oh. on every level. But yeah. again, because I was bringing the fireman level of how we deal with it, which it's not yeah. the morbid humor. And I, I, oh, I, I was heartbroken, but I, I saw someone in hurt and I have a gift of humor, making people laugh, right? Well, I wasn't fully vested into the situation and what mm -hmm. she'd gone through, nor have I ever been a labor and delivery nurse, just like Christy would never walk into a firehouse and console us after a major emergency, right. right? She would be there for me, which once again shows you what a messed up husband I could be at times, you know, and so, but, but I just wanted to use that story of why it's so important that you, you know, a little bit more about it because even with my wife, I used hum humor at the wrong time and I hurt her feelings. Now right. do I fix it? By all means I did, but yes, we have to be vested in, in those we're wanting to help. And that even comes when we're professing our faith to them and sharing the gospel with them. We need to invest time with them or in my honest opinion, they're truly, I'm not going to say they're not going to hear it because I'm not the sovereign God, but you know where I'm going with that. Yes. Well, we've had that conversation and I'm sure we'll have much more of that conversation on this podcast at some time right. because I'm a firm right. believer of that. Exactly. Well, there's our first rabbit hole of uh, your interviewing me about my book, The Rescuer. So <laughs> <laughs> sure, there'll be more. There'll be a couple well, more before we go. We talked about you getting mad about that or people being mad about that story. So now we're going to mm -hmm. talk about the other one. You're going to know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. with the, anybody that I that has read your book. It's funny because I have, I have, um, 
I have recommended your book to a lot of people and, and many of them have read it and then they get back with me and, uh, and read it. The last one, it was several months ago. I, I recommended to a, a pastor friend I had just met and, uh, we were texting about our podcast. He was trying to mm -hmm. find it and he said, oh yeah, by the way, I just finished his book and this made me mad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there was somebody else at the, in my church. They had got, they had listened on audible. And she said, this made me mad. It does. And it it made people. me mad. All right. It made me upset. But I think before we get upset, we need to think and we need to learn. So for those of you who have not read the book, if you've read the book, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you've not read the book, uh, as the time rolled around then, Jason, as the Lord began to soften your heart, um, and, and I would say probably at this point in your life, it wasn't very soft. You could right. you could speak to that. In fact, I think this, this had some negative effects, but you decided... Mm -hmm. You're going to try to go to the church right down the road from you, mm -hmm. having no idea. You weren't going there, I don't think, for biblical reasons that other than than the Holy Spirit drawing you. But you just right. wanted people. You wanted that was you it. Were, yeah, you were, you wanted to get out of the quietness in your in mm -hmm. your head, right? And uh, as you walked down there to go in, uh, you were you were not dressed the way, and of course, you know, you were not dressed in in a way that would offend most people, but you were not right. dressed as they were. And they turned you away. And I can't yeah. imagine turning somebody away from church. Right. Um, but they did. And especially in that moment, and it just, it really upset me and it upsets others, you mm. know, when they read that, knowing that, that again, sovereignty of God, we understand that. But what if, what if Christy had not come into your life? Right. right? What if, what if that was it and you no longer wanted anything at all to do with the church? Yeah. Um, so there's some things that I want to talk about mm -hmm. from my perspective, but yeah. but I want to let you talk no, about I want that. to spend some time. I do want to spend some time here and I appreciate you bringing it up. And for those of you, we haven't even talked about the, the name of my book except a little, but my book is called The Rescuer, One Firefighter's Story of Courage darkness and the relentless love that saved him. I just want to be clear that it was Jesus that saved me. The love of yes. uh, God had for me and Jesus that saved me, but there's only so much room in a book title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but with that being said, because I wrote this on a period of my life 20, from 20 years ago, but I wrote it now as a Christian, there was a whole lot of praying that went in this because I wanted to tell the stories that were true, but I didn't want to do anything that would cause harm, right? Because mm -hmm. as when I was still in the darkness, I wanted to have a reason to hate Christians. I want to be very clear on that. I hate, and I'm using that word for what it is because I hated everything they stood for. Why? Well, we all know now is because I was rebelling against God and I, you know, I didn't recognize them as quote little gods or little Jesus, but what they stood for, <laughs> I couldn't stand because I thought it was fake. Okay. Right. So with that being said, I was in a horrible time, but I did notice when the Christians in my neighborhood were walking to the local church in the downtown area I lived in, that they had smiles on their face. They, they all looked cheerful and everything. And I wanted a piece of that because I was, mm -hmm. as we know, in a bad spot. So I put on my regular attire, which is California surfwear. Okay. All clean and everything. But this church was an old, I'm not even gonna say old school. They had their own style and their style yeah, was, right. they had a very formal service. We'll leave it at that. Right. When I walked up the two greeters outside, which I call bouncers, they told me that I couldn't come into their church because the way I was dressed now to hear well, me out from the, 
<laughs> Hold on, doesn't that make them bouncers? I mean, when that I, does make them. Cause, they bounce. Because I thought, you know, if if you came up and and I was standing there and you'd have made that joke to me, I'd have laughed about that. And, and right. oh, maybe I better make sure I, I right. you know, I want to smile a little more. I don't right. want right. if you even joking. But right. literally, that's what they were. They were bouncers in the book. I want to call them gatekeepers, but then that's going down a whole different route that we didn't want to go there. But that's you know, from an unsafe rule, like okay, you're the gatekeepers of heaven or hell. What are you here? Come on now, that really bothered me. But what cut me down so much here, Joshua, was, you know what? My whole life, I was always told I wasn't good enough. I never had mm, the right clothes. Mm-hmm. And, and what happened was those guys confirmed everything I felt about Christians. That they're better than me, that they're everything. And it ate me alive, but it hurt me so bad because here I am, a guy that's had rescues, have saved people and did all this, but I'm not good enough to come to your church based right. on the way I'm dressed. And I walked away with tears on my eyes. But I don't want to leave it there because I don't want people mad right now. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. Let's make people mad for a little okay, bit. Okay, mad. I walked I wanna, away with I'll, tears in my eyes, and I was destroyed at the moment. I was destroyed. Right. Well, I want to make them more mad. I want to think. Okay. Uh, so, so here's where you were. You were lost. You were getting kicked out of that church. But, but if you would have responded to their house, and they were clinically right. dead, right? They were having mm-hmm. a medical emergency. Right. You would never have thought twice about giving them CPR, no. bringing them back to life. They would not have thought twice about well, even at that know, moment, never kicked you out yet. Right. Now, now you're not good enough for them. But even at that moment, I would have say like one of those guys dropped uh, dead of a heart attack on the spot, or there's an emergency in that church. Right. First You'd off, have been there. By law, I have to be there because right. I am a badge firefighter in the state of California. I have to respond even off duty, but it's not because I had to. I wanted to. So I, I right. would still want to help those guys, even though they did what they did to me. And that's why I was just so baffled that these right. good Christians could treat me the way they did. It just crushed me. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that out so people understand, like, here's where we're looking. We're looking at a guy who would have given his life for them, but you, but but they would not let you in their church. Right. And, and the damage that it did to me on the short, short term, you're right. It was horrible. Praise God that he was sending other people to me, that the things were happening, that he's drawn me to him through other people, because that could have been, and it was almost the spot where I was done with this world. And what scares me that, I mean, I seriously get chills looking at that point, because if I wouldn't have kept listening to to the calling in my heart to there's somewhere out there, I'd be sitting in hell right mm-hmm. now. Seriously, I would because I was ready to end it all. So now that I've got everyone mad about this, the first question I always get is, where's that church? I'm not telling you. And my chance is we've all prayed for them so much they've changed their ways, okay? Because this was 20 years ago. But number two, I tell people I use it as a mirror. What mm-hmm. I do right. is I now look and say, is there anything within me that is pushing people away from Christ? Is there any part of yes. that bouncer style in me that's making mm-hmm. people not want to Christ? Whether I'm not living the way I say I'm, meaning I say I'm a Christian, but you catch me over here not living like one. Well, come on. Right. You know, don't do that. push people away. Or am I maybe being too pushy on something? So, so, so mm-hmm. I use it as a growing moment because looking back on that moment in my life, I could stay angry forever. Or I could say, God, when I turn to your text, what is the message you want me to get out of this? And how can I use it to help other people? So when people read that, I hope they do a self-reflection, not to the level of they're saying, don't come in here, but to, oh, wow. 
you know what? I I didn't move over a seat to give a person a seat at church. I didn't give them a smile to bring them in. I didn't say welcome, you know, something like that. It just, for whatever it is in your life, use that story to try to find something in you that isn't being welcoming when it comes to inviting people into worship with us. You just took everything. I don't have anything to say now, Jason. Oh, bro! I told. There's a few things I'm a pro in. That's one of them, Pastor. <laughs> no, you know. No, uh, you know. Seriously, that that's what that was the part. Part of my point was I got very angry, but then I I had to sit there and go, wait a minute. I might not do that on Sunday in church, but do mm-hmm. I live my life that way? Do I walk past right. people on the sidewalk who don't yes. dress the way that I do? I mean, even what about those times in a store where you know somebody even it talks to me and I'm like, whoa. You know, what's wrong with Mm -hmm. you? You know, look at the tattoos on your face or look at, you know, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And what do we do? We do the same thing and we push people away. We push neighbors away. We Mm -hmm. drive by somebody's house that has a political sign that we don't agree Mm -hmm. with and we push them away. We tell them they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. We, we, you know, anybody that has a view different than us, we shut them out often. Right. And and we are literally no different. We might not have bouncers at the door of our church, but we are those bouncers and kicking people out of our lives when really God has called us as individuals to be the ones to go into the world anyways. So we're just as guilty as that church. And that's, that's the perspective I wanted to bring out. So yeah, yeah, no, it's so good. And and to give something tangible out of that too, because you know me, I love teaching out of experiences and I am not better than anyone else. But one thing I do try to remember is who I was. So when I'm talking to someone understanding, they may be like I was before I became new in Christ. One of the greatest things we can do, honestly, wherever we are, ask someone, how are you today? Mm-hmm. And listen, truly listen to them. Christy, my wife has laughed that I've had long conversations with someone at Starbucks because they're like, oh, I'm having a bad day because my cat died. Well, we, I don't even know that person. I'm not vested into them. But when I go, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. You know, I really am. And I'll say this sometimes. I don't know where your faith lies, but I'm a Christian. And no matter what, I'm going to be praying about this later today. But on this side, when I'm standing here talking, I just want to say, I'm really sorry about your cat. And, P- and Chris is like, how does that happen? I said, because I ask people how they are, because I just wish someone would ask me how I was. When I was walking across the stage to be given an award for pulling someone out of a burning building, I didn't want the award. I wanted people to say, how are you? Are you okay? Because right. I wasn't okay, even though I presented okay. So I think right. asking people how they are is one of the greatest things we can do to stop being those bouncers, if you will. Well, I think there's a great object lesson there because as, as first responders, especially on the medical side, mm-hmm. we're, we're trained that when we walk in, I'm, I'm trained that I am not to listen to dispatch, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That, right? And make sure that I get the right information. So when I walk mm-hmm. in, I, I may have been told very clearly what's wrong with this patient, but the first thing I do is I introduce myself to them and then I ask them mm-hmm. exactly how, how are you feeling? I want to hear right. from them. Right. right. And so, so you, it may be part of that is, is we just are trained to slow down a little bit before I start just, just diving into what I've been told is wrong with them. Mm-hmm. I want to hear from them what's right. wrong with them. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, we should, if we, we, if we did that often in our lives, then mm-hmm. uh, God's going to open up some doors we, we would never expect. Big time. I, I, I'm in full agreement on that too, and pick up their, their responses and, and then respond properly to their responses. Right. Yeah. 
So as we move along here, you kind of touched on this. One of the things that has, is amazing to me in your book is just seeing God's hand in your life as an unsaved person as he continued to pursue you and protect you because he had a plan for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so then that would bring us to uh, to the day that you decided life was not worth living anymore. You were mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talk about the plan that you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, what struck me about that plan is how, and and maybe a lot of people don't think about this, but but you and I would because we've been on the other end of kind of picking up the pieces and 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 mm-hmm. just dealing with that. So you had a plan that would mean that first responders would not be on the other end of that. You really thought this out, and then God just brought somebody randomly. You know, we mm-hmm. know not randomly into your life, right. a good friend that, that showed up. And, uh, and, and so there's some things here that I want to talk through, I, you know, God's hand of protection on your life, not just, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we talked about the church, that could have been it, this could have mm-hmm. been it. Um, mm-hmm. so, so God just would continue to protect you. God used other people in your life, mm-hmm. uh, where God, when God has a plan and a purpose, he will use anything and everything. Right? right, and in this moment, he he used another friend uh, from another fire department, mm-hmm. um, and I just think about too the the pain that drove you to that point. You had everything. You at mm-hmm. one point you talked about you know the alcohol weekends at the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, you you were you were getting awards. You were receiving respect from people for what you were doing, but you always ended up in the same place. And now you're here at the end end of this without God. Having Ephesians talks about without God and having no hope. And that's literally Mm -hmm. where you were. Yeah. You know, being hopeless is a horrible thing. And the way that you just talked about everything with God, using all those people, what I fall back to on all of that is the simplest thing, but sometimes it's overlooked is how faithful God is. It, It just blows my mind how faithful he is. Meaning not that he has faith in me, (laughs) <laughs> but how faithful is that he kept calling me because mm-hmm. he had plans for me. But but what scares me to death is there comes a time when quote like I see it, his patience runs out. You're done. I've given you all the time. Right. I faithfully called you. I faithfully his his faith is never ending. But the time he gives us on this earth and the responses that we have to the callings and stuff eventually is done. And that's what scares me so bad is the church turned me away not the church, but those guys turned me away at a church. And then a non-Christian invited me out for breakfast right when I was ready to end my life. Mm-hmm. And, and it just blows my mind and how he used a series of other events, which people can read into and stuff like, like my future wife. I didn't know she's my future wife, but he sent my wife to me right. you know, to, to help draw me to well, a son, you know? So, yeah. And you brought up a point. I've seen it before and others. And, and I, I didn't mention it cause I just, I, I wanted you to mention it, but the people God used were unsafe people, right? God right. didn't even, it wasn't the, again, the Christians so. turned you away, but God, God uses unsafe people. He, when God has a purpose, there's nothing that's going to stop that purpose. And that's, that's what I want people to hear out of mm-hmm. part of what I want people to hear out right. of this story. And it, it's evident with you because of some drastic things that happened mm-hmm. in your life. I grew up in a pastor or in a Christian home. I grew mm-hmm. up in a missionary home. I, you know, I, I, my life is not, my change was not as drastic as yours. Mm-hmm. But I look back, 
Was God doing the same thing in my life? Absolutely, he mm-hmm. was. He does right. that in all of our lives. He just grace upon grace. He just continues to overthrow, overflow that. Mm-hmm. No um, agreement on that. Here's something that I want to talk about with this because I I, I think and, and 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 you know in talking with you, I think this is something that comes up at times. And as people hear this, maybe and and uh, have read your book, here's the miracle of new life rebirth the miracle of christ rescuing you mm-hmm. this is not something you continue to struggle with right no no it's the struggles i have in my past what i explain with everyone to everyone is there's everyone's well i'm gonna wake up and go ow oh, it still hurts you know what i mean and like like no. it's not a continuous hurt it's wakes up and and because i have such deep respect for your theology please don't pick apart my thorn and Paul side or something like that. But, but I, you know, I, I, I use it every once in a while. I believe that God lets that pain stay to remind me that I need to use it to bless others because mm-hmm. I've been made whole, if you will, you know, meaning right. that once I'm standing in heaven, I'm going to be whole. I'm still making my way through this broken world growing in his son, but my faith is going to carry me through. So when it comes back, I don't want people to think like, Jason is 100% better. No, I still have my struggles, but I now have hope. And so I don't sit in it. And when I see someone sitting in the pain and the depression and the darkness, it just crushes me because I want to tell them, I know where you are, but it's a hard thing to tell someone because they're going to, first thing out of their mouth is what I would have said. You don't know where I'm at right now. Don't come at me like that. But I want people to see the hope. So instead of saying, mm-hmm. I know where you are, I want to bring the relief and show you where I found the relief and walk alongside of you as if I'm a paramedic bringing you to the hospital. Right. You know that I'll give you some encouragement. I'll give you, quote, the medicine like we would in the back of an ambulance and then drop you off to the surgeon who is, quote, going to fix you. And I know that sounds cliche, but that's what I want people to get out of this because there's mm-hmm. so many first responders and people in general that are sitting in the crud. And I tell you what, one of the greatest pieces of wisdom that I can back up with scripture ever given to me about that was from a non-Christian. They said, there comes a point when you get tired of sitting in the stink that you're going to want to climb out of that outhouse. I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I can back that up with scripture. Because right. I'm, you know, I'm in the muck and, and I, I want to get better. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a parable about that, wasn't there? It's a total parable in that and stuff. It's, it's the, yeah, I like it. I'm not, I'm not going to get blasphemous, but I, I have, I just always try to back up things with scripture, but I also want to bring it to people in a way that they can hear. And I want people to hear this, that I was in the darkest of the dark. I grew up in the darkest of the dark. And I also use the ways of this world, including counseling to try to get better, mm-hmm. but because it wasn't grounded in Christ, every time it crumbled away, I'd fall back into that pit of hell. But once I put my faith in Jesus and I had that unbreakable foundation that when, like you mentioned, to bring it back around, the, the pain sets back in, I now no longer fall into the pit of hell. I fall into his arms. And in his arms, meaning when I fall back into Christ's arms, I also fall into the arms of my local church believers. I have scripture. Yeah. I have prayer. I have the whole body of Christ around me to right. help me. And that refreshes me, bro. And that's what I want people to hear out of this is I want folks to understand stuff happened to them and I want them to grow from it and learn from it and, and know that there's something so much better for them out there. 
Well, you nailed it. You, you where I was going to go with that was obviously as an unsaved person, you need the rescuer. You need Christ. You need mm-hmm. His forgiveness. But maybe you're listening to this as a as a believer, and you say, "Well, I've I've received Christ as my Savior. I had to deal with all this crud as a kid, mm-hmm. or or in my past, whatever it is." And I'm not there with where Jason is. I I don't feel like I'm over it. I mm-hmm. I deal with it constantly. Or when I do have this these days where I wake up and I feel that way, they go on for days. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have somebody that's going to encourage you? Do you have somebody right. that's in some ways? Sometimes we just need a kick out of that from right. somebody mm-hmm. else, a 100%. believer, a brother who cares right. about you, who's going to be there. So here it is, Jason. Here for for this week's podcast, go find a what. Oh, I'm going to tell you to find your local church. I want yes. you to find a local <laughs> church. And 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 I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I'm praying the Holy Spirit leads you to the right yes. one. Because uh, the whole other episode we could have is which church I don't want you to go to. But again, right. I want you to go to a Bible-based, Bible-preaching, yes. teaching, scripturally-backed church that just brings the message to you. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> one other thing I'm going to throw out there in honesty, you're going to want to pick that church apart. I do. I really do because <laughs> I'm going to find faults in it. And you are. You guys drop the barriers and and don't put up the barriers that aren't going to let you grow in Christ and in the right. body of the church. Now, obviously, if you're at a hideous, horrible something church, God will reveal that to you. But I'm talking about when I first went to church, I still was looking for something bad in there. Seriously, because I wanted it wasn't true. And I just want to tell people to drop that. And then the last thing I want to throw out there to encourage people before I let you uh, take the helm and finish it up is just so you hear me, I still struggle. And one of the struggles mm-hmm. I have is like a relationship with my mom and my dad, and it still hurts. It hurts. Right. And I'm just base number one, that they aren't followers of Christ, but there's a whole lot of else to it. And so I do struggle, but the beauty of it is I now have clarity on how to properly deal with it, how to walk through it. And that feels good, even though Mm -hmm. the struggle is there. So I don't want people to think that there's, I don't have long-term struggles. I really do. But what I do is I have someone to walk me through it now, you know, being Christ and the full body, you know? Right, right. And sometimes that takes more than one person, right? But we need to find people that are going to walk with us. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I had more, but I think it's getting about that time, Jason. So really... We cut this story off at the uh, at, at the tough part, but um, I love uh, I love how then you kind of start to turn the corner in your story. You show God's love and mercy. So just as God, just as or rather, just, yeah, just as God used an unsaved person to help save your life, and and there was a church there mm-hmm. that that did mm-hmm. not want anything to do with you. God saw fit to allow into your life some pretty unassuming, in a sense, ways. And, and, and this should be a powerful, powerful testimony or, or incur, I guess, challenge for us that when we're going through something, you never know how God is going to use you. And, and you told the story about uh, this older gentleman who passed away and mm-hmm. you guys couldn't get him back. And it, literally his wife, who, who you who you could tell was a Christian by, you know, the Bible and, and all the things mm-hmm. in the house. And you should have been comforting her, but instead she comforted you. And, mm-hmm. and I guarantee you she had to this day, well, probably with mm-hmm. the Lord now, but right, yeah. as long as she lived, she had no idea the impact that had on you. 
you know, that story there, and again, just because of time constraints, I'll throw it off, was to this Go day. Go read the book. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> yeah, honestly <laughs> it is the greatest lesson of grace that's ever been taught to me. The greatest. Yeah. I've never, in, in action, you know, obviously, the, the scripture backed up. I, I don't have a better story for showing someone being able to give grace than that and stuff. And and that's, again, why I wrote it. So people that know me will learn I'm the world's worst salesman. It actually feels really weird for me and stuff. But I really hope that they do pick up the book, which is The Rescuer, One Firefighter yes. Story of Courage Darkness, uh, is, is to pick it up because I want – there's so many messages I threw in there that God revealed to me during my times. And I think you're going to get a little something out of it. So that's the last thing Mm -hmm. I just wanted to throw out there about it because we could go so much more. And with that being said, I'm going to turn it over like this. Joshua, as we start wrapping it up here, this show has been about me and me, me, me. Well, actually, hopefully it's been about Christ and showing his love for us. But bro, Let's let's tell people where they can find you and all the awesome stuff you have going on because I absolutely adore the messages you're putting out. I love all the content that you throw out and I want people to be able to find it on YouTube and your Facebook page. Obviously, they already know where to find me. Um, just Google rescuerbook.com and you'll be able to find it. But where can they find you, brother? Yeah, they can find me on Facebook at uh, Thinking Out Loud with PJ. Thinking Out Loud with PJ, and now I, I actually just recently changed my YouTube channel name to make it easier to find. Just search my name, Joshua Putnam. So if you're listening to the podcast, you see my name there, search that on YouTube, and you can find oodles and oodles of videos on there that, I, that I've done over the last couple of years and continue to, to, to create. So, hey, would appreciate it if you jumped on there and subscribed. And then, hey, is this the time as we wrap this up as well to let everybody know, first of all, uh, we are just about anywhere you can find, uh, you, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Every once in a while, I hear about someplace else that we're not on, and I get us on there. So if you jump off Facebook, go find us on a podcast somewhere that that's that's helpful for you, even more than it is probably for us. Um, you'll just cons- more consistently get our podcast. Uh, and then, is this the time, since we've talked about the book, uh, an opportunity to meet the author or those firefighters? <laughs> he didn't yeah. know he didn't see that one coming <laughs> yeah i didn't see that one coming yes so if you are going to be we know a lot of people listening are not firefighters and that's great we want you to listen but for those few that are and even fewer if you're going to fdic uh I would say look for Jason and I there. I feel like I'm a radio host, but I'm no. We're gonna be yeah. It's gonna be cool. We're gonna be at FDIC, and it's gonna be we're supporting a group called Worldwide Peer Support, which helps firefighters that are dealing with PTSD, trauma, and all that kind of stuff. So for you firefighters out there, swing by FDIC. We would love to meet you guys. It would be yeah. awesome. All right, Pastor Joshua, thank you so much for picking me apart today. You were much kinder than I thought you would be. So I appreciate that that lesson in grace right there too, brother. I felt and, the uh, same way when I did mine. So I thought I'd awesome. give you a great. Right All right, man. Well, you have a great day and everyone. Thank you for hanging out with us for a while. Yeah, thanks for listening. This was fun. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.